Hello and welcome to this Q&A episode of the ESG Fitness Podcast. I have Andy with me and I've actually had some really lovely messages, although concerned messages about Andy, asking how right. your knee is. Oh, absolutely fine. Uh, well, it's not fine, but... It's, absolutely it fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's maybe broken, but we don't have just one of these things that happens. Yeah, Laura's, Laura said the same. She's like, you seem generally quite positive about this i'm a bit worried about you i'm like there's not much i can do about it it's i'm broken i've done something to it there's not much i can really affect anything else so just got to get on with it but again it's what we talk about regularly is about choosing to be positive when the rest of the world's trying to drag you down it can be quite tough but it's generally how i can generally how i work i don't really i don't like to sort of um dwell on things it's happened I had a great time playing football whilst I was playing football. I enjoyed every minute I played on the pitch. It was a good way to go. <laughs> Probably not not as quick as I'd expected to go. I kind of hope to get a season out of it. But hey, it's life. It's just the way it is. It's one of these things that happens. Roll with the punches. Love the attitude. Okay, so first thing we were going to discuss is a post from Sarah in the group, which is talking about 23andMe, which is a DNA test kit. Um, what is quite interesting is I discussed this, actually, I just remembered, I discussed this on the podcast, which would be like two back now. It was about the story about yourself mm. and the story that you're telling yourself. And actually what's quite interesting about this, so Sarah's basically suggesting, she's, she went and got hers done and she's like, yeah, I recommend anyone who's got a spare 160 quid to go and do it. I'm going to completely disagree with that. I think it's a complete waste of money. I don't think that knowing the results does anything for you. Uh, and I think it can actually be a negative. And what's quite interesting here is she says, one thing they definitely got wrong though, is that I'm, so the test obviously said that she's got a genetic marker that makes her less likely to be hungry. But she says, I'm definitely more likely to be hungry, right? Basically, yeah, you can have DNA which predisposes you to certain things, but it doesn't tell the full picture. And I don't think knowing the results does anything for you. And often it's a negative. So this is exactly what I spoke about in the story that you're telling yourself podcast. In that if you're telling yourself, oh, I've got these genetic traits, which means I'm going to be more hungry. Guess what? You're going to be more hungry. And not it's not just me saying that and like common sense, like studies have been done on this. And not only do you feel more hungry, but you physiologically are more hungry. Ghrelin levels are higher. If you think, not if you have, if you think that you have this genetic variant which is pretty incredible but i just think like what what's the benefit the other thing is there's there's certain um genes which predispose you to being better at certain types of exercise or more predisposed to being better at certain types of exercise that certainly doesn't mean that you will be and the, the effect of training is far greater than that but again when you're told that you have uh, genes which mean that you wouldn't be good at for example endurance exercise and you're retested on an endurance exercise test, you do worse. So like th how you think is very real. And I just don't think that getting genetic testing is gonna do anything for you, unless there's a specific reason you need it for like a medical Her condition Her or something, Her obviously that's a completely different thing. But if you're just like interested, I don't think it's useful. And I think potentially it's harmful. Yeah, I think it's, um, I still don't think, I, I still, if I was told that I'm more 
inclined to do endurance events or endurance exercise, I'm probably going to ignore it and stick with what I'm doing, <laughs> to be fair. Just because, like, you know, what happens if you, you've been working a whole way your, your life and you're, you know, you're you're doing well, you're keeping going with your training, your nutrition, stuff like that, and then something like that comes in and turns it all on its head and then you start overthinking things. And the whole idea with this is to keep it as simple as possible, keep what you're doing as, as relaxed, not relaxed, but keep it as um, unconfusing as possible um, and just making it as simple. And having something like this is just going to, as you, exactly as you said, you're going to start overthinking things um, and it kind of pushes you into a place where actually you start, you start questioning what you're doing when in actual fact you're probably doing all the right things anyway. You're ticking all your boxes. Yeah, I agree. What's I think some of the things that are quite interesting is like your heritage. I think that's quite interesting. Like I would get it done for that reason. Mm. Um, yeah. But obviously it's not going to do it. Like it doesn't really matter in the slightest. But I just think that that's interesting. Anyway, okay. Should we move on to la questions? La questions um, from Vicky. How to prioritize? How to prioritize goals? Uh, I want to have a good body composition, but I also want to get better at my running. Sometimes it feels like the two aren't completely complementary. Currently, three times gym. It's been two due to injury, but recover now, and four times run. I also need to add in some mobility work to support my hips and back. Uh, as over the last six to eight weeks it was neglected and that's the reason I believe for the injuries. Should I still be trying to hit three strength sessions and pushing the weights higher or drop one and focus on small overload improvements or maintenance to allow for my running? Will I still be supporting my body composition goals? Um, along with calorie deficit and protein, etc. The issue that you have here is that it already sounds like you're doing an awful lot of stuff during your week. Um the idea when it comes to building or to, to building a physique and body composition goals is that you need recovery, you need rest. And if you're doing three gym and four run, that's seven sessions. Might not be seven sessions, you might be doing doubles at times, but all you're doing is you're you're running yourself into the ground or you're training yourself to a point and then pushing yourself beyond it. So your body never ever gets to come back up on the upward trajectory of recovery. It's always goes up, gets notched comes back down, goes up, not as high again, comes back down. So the issue that you have with this is, is, is you know, you can train for them both together, but one's going to have to give. If you want to be better at running, you're probably going to have to focus on the running. If you want to have a better, better body composition and build a bit of muscle, you're going to have to focus on building a bit of muscle. The unfortunately, there's always, we, we say this regularly with everything, there's always going to be trade-offs. So, in this effect, in this event, you're going to have to choose which one is the most important to you, and that's how you prioritise your goals. Are you running a marathon? In which case, the running is going to be the most important thing. Is the running there for a mental aspect? Is it, is it a sort of mental health aspect? Do you enjoy running because it relaxes your head? Okay, we maybe need to scale back a little bit. Maybe not doing as intense runs, or maybe not as far, and try to add them in amongst your weight sessions, but you're going to have to maybe have a bit of a flip around and see which one is the priority. Yeah, I agree. And I think I just don't want that to be misinterpreted as like you can't be very good at running and have great body composition. You absolutely can. But as Andy's saying, like in this situation where essentially it sounds like you're maybe doing a little bit too much, one session needs to drop. What's the priority here? And if it's body composition make sure you're still hitting three workouts if it's running let's drop a body let's drop a gym workout 
um and and maybe just go from there and monitor and adapt obviously and see how you go yeah um caroline's doing a uh, one of the committed um members doing a marathon just now and we've done that with hers we've scaled back on uh weight session so she can put more miles under the, the feet and the reason being is because she has this marathon coming up i think it's maybe september um so the priority for her at the moment is running yes we want to keep keep her um body composition at a position where she's happy with but she knows the trade-off that is if i want to get a good time in a marathon gym sessions are maybe going to have to be scaled back until the marathon and she's already looking beyond that and flipping it back over again dropping the running out putting more weight sessions in which these are the things that you can you know you you tinker and tailor yourself and again my reason why we have co- you have coaches is you know we are here to impart our knowledge and hopefully give you a little bit of clear space to think about what comes next and that's pretty much what you want to look at yeah and i like to think of it like your life has seasons and at different seasons different things will be more important like you might be like yeah do you know what for the next six months i want to get really good at running because i want to run a marathon cool after that you might be like well i achieved that i now really want to focus on my body composition it doesn't mean that you have to completely neglect one goal while you shoot for another goal it just means that the focus has shifted slightly yeah exactly Cool. Um, Tamsin, can you talk a bit more about the morning routine? Why is it so important? I'd be interested to hear what you guys do as your routine. Okay, so I think I spoke about mine in the last podcast, so why don't you talk about yours? Mine's is, well, at the moment, my morning routine is roll out of bed without bending my knee too much. Um, But generally, my my morning routine is 5am, wake, um, get myself ready, head out to the studio, get the dog out out for an hour with the dog get some steps in that's when i do um that's when i do a bit of content stuff just some writing some obviously got a bit of business planning i'm doing just now so doing that um and kind of get myself my, my head settled for the day i'm unlike obviously the morning routine that we have for commit um i generally i i keep my training for later on in the day i just find that i focus better in the morning so if i'm doing my writing and stuff in the morning i'm much more switched on without having to think about anything else but you know there are certain things i'll do in the evening you know it's the same just really simple stuff like i'll shower i'll come in i'll probably chuck on my um my ice pack just little things that you keep yourself routined in and like keep your head keep your head squared away or keep your head squared away and you've got that open space to think and stuff so it just for me routine like my routine is really really simple it's not as not as difficult as or not as not as complex as i know a lot of people will have a lot of different routines where there's loads of stuff in their morning i try to keep mine as quiet as possible yeah i think actually the more complex your routine is the harder it is to stick to and the less longevity it has like if you have something that's fairly simple and honestly like kind of vague like your morning routine can be whatever you want it to be or your routine in general can be whatever you want it to be but it generally follows a similar plan or a similar structure and the key really is to stop you making numerous decisions a day or like having to make numerous decisions a day like we just got um a question on the live about uh i guess it's essentially about like what what's the best way to diet and exercise to have the most productive day or to think the clearest and i think actually having a routine is is so useful to that so 
a lot of what I do is now more more so than like body composition. Like the reason I go to the gym, the reason that I have a morning routine, the reason that I eat mostly the same stuff for breakfast and lunch and it's kind of structured is because it gives me more brain energy to make like to use for work as opposed to worry about thinking about food or when am I going to train or what am I going to do or, or like sticking to a routine frees up your headspace massively as well so it's kind of like not only is it useful for fat loss but once you've sort of ticked off the fat loss box like routine is useful in life in terms of concentration span productivity your finite source which is like your brain energy if you want to use that constantly thinking about food decisions then fine but I would rather use it for making more important decisions or considering more important decisions yeah definitely um Sophia uh, we've gone back into lockdown and here in New Zealand and I've been mentally struggling with home workouts I was hitting PBs and making lots of strength progress in the gym up until they closed. So I'm wrapping my head around only having five kilo dumbbells and a clunky cable machine. I love going to the gym as much for my mental health is physical and doing it at home just doesn't have the same impact. I keep reminding myself of imperfect action and that even 20 minutes a day is great, but I should I up my protein or is there anything I can do to keep my strength progress? Getting outside for walks really helps, but it's not building muscle. So the good news is you probably won't lose half as much as what you think. Uh, I also don't think that New Zealand will be in lockdown long because you guys are really freaking on it with the whole pandemic. Um, So I don't think it'll be a particularly long lockdown. Like we were in lockdown for substantial amounts of time. Nobody lost huge amounts of strength. Like the benefit as well is being a woman, you probably this is, maybe it might sound a little bit sexist but i can get away with saying it because i am a woman but you're generally weaker than most men so it means that actually your body weight exercises or the limited equipment you have at home can still create a pretty sufficient stimulus on your muscle so there's no reason that you can't at least maintain where you are like i would imagine you'd be able to maintain where you are fairly easily will you be building muscle at this time yeah maybe but you know, potentially at a slower weight, uh, a slower rate than if you had access to the gym. So definitely don't tell yourself that oh, during this time I'm obviously going to lose strength. No, that that's a self fulfilling prophecy. If you think I'm obviously going to lose strength, so I've just started doing I don't know, I was doing twenty minute workouts, now I'm just doing ten. Now I'm just going for a walk. Like yeah, then you will lose strength, and then you'll be like oh, see, I told myself I was going to lose strength. Yeah, because your actions didn't align with the outcome. But if you're like okay, what actually builds muscle? stimulating my muscle builds muscle creating volume builds muscle you can still create volume at home it doesn't matter if you don't have dumbbells to do chest press with you can do push-ups it's stimulating the same muscle that muscle doesn't know whether you're using dumbbells or whether you're using your body weight like you don't need to have this these equip this equipment you just need to create the stimulus and i don't think you need to up your protein either i mean you could within your calories if you wanted to but probably not going to make much difference yeah definitely um again we talk about a lot about um holding on to stuff and like muscle memory etc you know there's a lot to be said about the fact that if you even with a lighter uh, you know even with a lighter set of dumbbells you can still hang on to what you have or certainly stop it from going backwards more than anything else you stop it from regressing whereas exactly as Emma said that sort of self-fulfilling prophecy reframe it and say actually do you know what I've actually got a set of five kilo dumbbells and a clunky cable machine whereas some people might not have that 
you know, a clunky cable machine's still a cable machine and you can do plenty with it. So I think reframing that kind of, you know, said that at the start about my knee, you know, it's about looking, I've always been, I've kind of got into me from my dad as a very early age about always looking for the silver lining to dark clouds. There's always a silver lining. There's always something positive to look at. Even in failure, there's always something to learn from, something that you can keep moving forward with. And it's about sifting through, understanding that we, as a, as humans, like to see, most people always like to see the glass half empty. I like to see the glass half full. And, it's, and that's just a, a reframe. I'd rather see it half full because I want to think like that. I want to be able to, I'd like, I'd, I want to be a positive influence on people around me because I, I bring positivity to the room or to what I'm doing, you know, whereas rather than just thinking, oh no, what, what happens if I'm going to lose all my gains? Well, what happens if you don't? Like, you might be able to hold on to what you've got. You might go back in. Yeah, you might have dropped a four or five kilos on a dumbbell chest press, but you know what? there's something else for you to aim at later on. There's another goal, right? I'm getting back up to what I was doing previously and just taking it that way, I think. Yeah, or catastrophize it. Okay, so let's say you do lose loads of strength. Yep. Then you'll just build it back again. Like, I mean, you won't, but let's say that you do. And it comes back so much quicker, as Andy's saying, muscle memory. Like, it will come back so much quicker, even if you do lose some strength. What was the name of this person? Um, this is Sophia. Okay, yeah, right. Well, get your husband involved as well and make sure they are also training hard because I train both of them. Bench press him. Yeah, there you go. Well, squats. <laughs> okay, dokie from Laura. Uh, Realising it's going to take ages to get back to where you were. Any thoughts on how to combat these negative thoughts? Last year I was a stone lighter after really working on it. I now feel like I'm back to square one and struggling a bit with feeling like it's pointless. Probably ties into the question we've just done actually and the fact about just, you know, keeping your head in the keeping your head in the right place. You know, it you might think it's gonna take ages, but you got you were a stone lighter last year and you've been there before, you can do it again. Like you may have put a wee bit of weight on, but you know, why not just get the head back into the game, draw a line. It's time to get back on track again and get back after where you were previously. It also sounds a little bit like you're you're waiting until you get back there. Like, let it be a by, byproduct. Do what you need to do. Enjoy your life. Live your life. Like, literally all that's happening is you're still living your life. You're still doing all the things you enjoy. There's nothing different about you now that you weigh a stone more or a stone, a stone less. All you're doing now is creating a slight energy deficit that's going to force your body to lose some body fat. That's it. Like, don't overcomplicate it. Don't make it anything about you. Don't call yourself a failure. This is the situation you're in. This is where you want to be. Doesn't mean you have to put your life on hold. Doesn't mean you have to delay happiness until you reach this arbitrary goal that you were at before. Like, none of that. And stop, like, there's obviously an underlying notion of that in your head that, like, you've gone backwards. You haven't gone backwards. Weight will fluctuate throughout your life don't make it out to be much worse than it needs to be and just yeah let let fat loss all this is for everyone as well like let fat loss be a byproduct like it shouldn't be your sole focus and i had a discussion with a client this week about putting like she was just putting so much pressure on fat loss and i'm like take the take the pressure off you don't need to put that much pressure on yourself and actually it's sometimes when you take the pressure off you're like Okay, I was telling myself that I had to get my steps in, that I 
had to go to the gym. I had to stick to this diet. And actually, as soon as I took the pressure off and realized it's all a choice, there's no pressure. No one else is forcing me to do this. I just want to do this because I want to get closer to my goal. Then you're making a choice to do these actions and it feels completely different. Like the exact same diet, the exact same actions. You're still getting in 10,000 steps. You're still building three meals a day around protein and fruit and veg. You're still going to the, to the gym three times a week. But when you take the pressure off, it's like, it's magic. It's completely different. When you're choosing to do those things compared to when you're trying to bully yourself into doing them, that's the difference. Like that's the difference between enjoying the process, which is so, so important and we don't give enough emphasis towards and killing yourself for six weeks and then being like, well, I hated it. I hated every minute of it. And now I don't even feel that much better even though I've lost weight. Yeah, because you were beating yourself up to get here and you're still in this horrible negative headspace. Start yeah. being nicer to yourself. How, how, it'd be interesting to find out this one actually. And I might, I think we can put a post up in the group. How many people genuinely think that they get on better by the stick, the hard stick approach? Like, there are very, very few people I know that get good results or actually even um, work well under the thought process of giving yourself a shit time. See, as soon as you remove that, and like, I'll, I'll, I'll put my hand up, I am that person. I get on much better if someone turns around and tells me, you need to fucking do this pull your fucking finger out right now. Whereas pretty much everybody else I deal with is, they want tough love, but they don't, they, they want tough love, but it's actually not tough love they need. It's more, they need to understand the process, relax into it and enjoy it rather than feeling like they're going to, feeling like they're a failure every time that something slight maybe goes wrong. Okay. Do you think part of this might be Tough love works when you're kind of confident in what you're doing anyway, and you just need to action. So if I'm like, Andy, get to the freaking gym. Like you said, you were going to go yeah. an hour ago. Just go. You're like, yeah, yeah, I know. I need to do it. Cool. You don't have like a fear around the gym. You don't have like a poor relationship with food. So if I'm telling you, just get your diet done, that might actually work. Whereas someone yeah. who is potentially a little bit unsure about which exercises they should be do doing or doesn't feel comfortable in a gym environment and you're like just go that's not helpful like 100 percent. yeah so i think that potentially totally. that's part of it and i think it's definitely true with food if you're yeah. someone who doesn't you know has a pretty good relationship with food and we're just like you need to just stop snacking like that's it just freaking do it just stop making excuses and just stop doing it that works really well but if someone's like if someone's like, oh, I'm, re like, I'm emotionally eating because I'm really struggling with something and we're like, just fucking stop emotionally eating. <laughs> like, that's it's not helpful. So it's knowing like from a coaching perspective as well, like where is this client mentally? What's the kind of support do they need? Do they need to be told just to get on with it? Because sometimes that is the right thing to tell people. And sometimes that yeah. is really freaking useful. But other times yeah. it's like, no, you're, you're already bully trying to bully yourself into change and it's not working. You don't need more bullying from a personal trainer. What you need is a bit of support. What you need is to, for us to encourage you to be empathetic to yourself, to be compassionate to yourself. Exactly. Nailed it. What, just no, a theory. That? I don't know. That, as you were talking, I was just thinking, yeah, I think. No, that makes, it does. It makes a lot of sense. The more confident you are in yourself and what you're doing, the more you'll probably take on potential um, critical analysis. Whereas if you're not confident in yourself, even something that's 
maybe critical analysis, but delivered even not badly, you're going to take that in and internalise it and it's not going to come out. It's not going to bring itself out well. So now I think you you probably nailed that on the head. Absolutely perfectly. Home run! Stop. Six. <laughs> um, okie dokie. Um, Karen, hi, is there a general consensus on roughly how many steps equals 100 calories? Unfortunately, there's not a general consensus because we don't know. Yeah, but I mean, probably. Let me just Google. I mean, it, yeah, it's not going to be exact, but let's say. I'll finish the question while you're Googling. I'm just thinking it might help me not jump off the deep end if I go over a couple of hundred calories, but no, I can balance it out with, say, an extra 2,000 steps. No, 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 no. no. I, I know it may be different for everyone, but as a rough guide to avoid wandering aimlessly to work out an extra spoonful of peanut butter. This is what we don't want you to be doing, is punishing yourself for what you've eaten. And having to think about exercises being a punishment for what you've ate so i would just try to take this one out of your head and probably don't think of this is that extra spoonful of peanut butter going to make a difference you either draw a line under it or you be smarter and go i don't need the extra spoonful of peanut butter because i'm going to get to my goals a bit sooner if i don't yeah um, sorry, I was I was still giggling. But no, we definitely don't want you to think about like, oh, I've gone over my calories. Oh, I'll just walk for five miles. Like, no, 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 no. It's about balance. It's about being consistent. And yeah, we don't want you to be beating yourself up if you go over calories. You just say, okay, well, you know, I'll learn from it and I'll move on for the next time. Don't like, yeah. yeah. I The thing is like on a micro level, this isn't a problem. Like if you're like, oh, I went, you know, I've gone over my calories a little bit, but you know what? I was really active today and I did about 5,000 steps more than I normally do. It's probably going to even out. I'm not going to stress about it. Perfect. But if that then rolls into, mm, I'm a little bit hungry. I'm going to eat an extra thousand calories. Then I'm going to force myself out for a run. Like that, that kind of, I mean like in, in extreme cases, that's known as exercise bulimia where you're effectively eating more. And then it like, instead of making yourself sick, you're essentially just burning those calories. So like it yep. is like getting and this is like obviously the extreme example. It's just sometimes it starts as something like, Oh well, you know, I can just move a bit more and, and like, yeah, you can just move a bit more and it will burn those calories and that's how energy balance works. But when yep. you kinda take that to the extreme and this is just what we're always really wary of, is like we don't want people to think of burning off the calories that they've eaten and, and that I mean that is at the extreme end an eating disorder. Yeah. We so, don't want the thing is it's not about not glamorizing um using exercise as a punishment for what you ate. I think we see so many of these posts across social media and that's an that's an old school mindset of oh I need to punish myself in the gym because I ate a pizza last night. No, 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 no. That's not building a good relationship with food. It's not certainly not building a good relationship with exercise. And you want to have a good relationship with both. Both are equally as important as each other. And they should both be enjoyable. So building a bad relationship by using one to beat the other is just that's not something you should be doing or even having them as, a, as a thought process. Yeah, we don't ever equate like exercise to calorie burn. Like really, we want you there building muscle, building fitness, enjoying yourself, not there to burn calories. Um, obviously, in some cases, we need to because if you're doing marathon training, we need to increase your calories. Like it does burn energy yeah. but 
Yeah. Uh, so interestingly, there's a little calculator here. I don't know how accurate it is. Probably not massively, but it'll probably be a decent ballpark figure. If you weigh, I just put in my stats. So if you weigh 60 kilograms and I'm actually not sure how tall I am in, hold on, inches, 5.5. Oh no, wait, that's, <laughs> I'm not 5.5 inches. 5.5 inches. <laughs> You're a smurf. So I'm actually quite small in real life. <laughs> okay, so I'm 60 kilograms and 5.5 foot feet. Uh, and if I do 10,000 steps, I'll burn about 317 calories. It's, And I think that's what people seem to forget is, is that exercise doesn't actually burn that much calories. You could go and do an absolute monster leg session and probably only come away with 350 calories. So if you're working on calories Probably burnt, less. Yeah, pro probably less. You'd be sitting going, oh my God, I've not burnt very many calories. Yes, because you don't burn that many calories while training. It's everything else that you do that adds into your day. We talk about this regularly. It's, um, so yeah, it's an, it's an interesting one, but don't try not to, please don't use um, nutrition and your training as sticks to beat each other with. It's not a, it's not a good mindset to get yourself into. Agreed. Um, Alexandra, um, hi guys, love the podcast. Normally I have the same breakfast and the same lunch every day. I usually have the same tea two days on the run for ease and practicality when cooking for one. Since being uncommitted to sex, I've been trying to have more variety because I thought it was better for gut bacteria, but it's exhausting. And I feel planning meals is becoming a bit obsessive. Then I saw Emma's post about decision fatigue and thought that's me. So is it okay to go back to repetitive meals or will this be detrimental to gut bacteria? The gut microbiome. The yeah, microbiome. no, I think variety is really important, but this doesn't say, if you're using, um, I'm just going to use myself as an example. Like I do have mostly the same breakfast and lunch, but it's the same structure. So like I'll have a different piece of fruit most mornings with my breakfast. Generally, whatever was on offer or looked nice in the supermarket. Like sometimes it'll be blueberries, sometimes it'll be an apple, sometimes it'll be a banana. Like doesn't really matter. Same with lunch. Like at the moment, because it's quite nice, like it would normally be based around a salad. But again, like I, I find one good way to get variety is just to be like, cool what's on offer in the vegetable aisle like let's just buy whatever's on offer this week so sometimes i might have tomatoes sometimes it might be cucumber that's on offer so you know like that just allows you to sort of mix it up a little bit so you are getting variety there but you're not having to think about it same with in the evening like if you're like well okay normally i don't know i'll have a stir fry or you can even have like a couple of things that you just switch around but like a stir fry is giving you loads of variety anyway because loads of different stuff and maybe you just buy a different pack of stir fry like it doesn't have to be completely different you could be like today i'm gonna have rice tomorrow i'm gonna have coconut rice the day after i'm gonna have wild brown rice whatever like just mix it up a little bit it doesn't have to be this huge like decision thing it's just like oh yeah i normally have that i'll have something different or i'll buy this different pack of stir fry which has slightly different veg in it that's what we mean by variety. It's just like not sticking to chicken and broccoli for every single meal. Yeah, exactly. Really, really simple stuff. As you said, you know, choosing, using sort of simple stuff like picking what's on offer is a really good way of doing it. And the same thing is, is you can still have very similar meals with slightly changed vegetable options. You know, you could have chicken. Chicken's obviously going to be one that a lot of people will use. You can flip it for turkey if you want. But you know, turkey's what, what, gross, though. 
I actually see. I quite like Turkey. I'm. A, I'm. I think Turkey's quite underrated, um, in the fact that it's very lean. If you flavour it properly, it tastes actually really good. Um, Andy, and it's really come cheap. on! It's, it does it's not. It's massively cheap compared. Well, if you chuck it in a stir fry, you'll never notice. Do you know what I thought that? I thought, Until oh, you'll never it. notice. And then I tried to give it to my mum, and she was like, "This is disgusting." But I remember eating it because I thought that it was so much leaner than chicken. And I was like, yeah, it's I'm not... only going to eat it. Like, it's like a tiny bit leaner. But you're right, it is a bit cheaper. It's nice, like, it's nice at Christmas. It's nice, like, on a bird, you know, a, an actual turkey. But it's not nice, like, chopped up. Yeah, it can be. It's, it is, um, I think also the way it's not, the way that the the meat sits as well the meat doesn't sit similarly to like a chicken breast because it's cut through a bigger breast it always looks quite weird it always looks quite strangely like sinewy and stuff whereas obviously a chicken breast comes as a whole breast you can get a turkey breast as a whole breast it's just quite hard to cook because it's so large because it's also fucking massive (laughs) that's the problem with my breasts as well I was having this discussion with um, Laura and Shona this morning, and would, have you have you heard of the have you heard of this thing that th- apparently the kids are doing in the gym, where you put a set of bumper plates on the barbell and you lie face down and then you roll the bar, and it's called the bum test. And if the barbell doesn't go over your bum, that's apparently the size of bum. And I was like, I could do that with my pecs, to be fair. <laughs> so that makes me really sad because it probably just roll over my bum. <laughs> Straight over the top of everything. <laughs> Bye. Barbells <laughs> rolls on down the gym. Oh, um, um, Alexander. Someone's just part of a question. Sorry, someone's um, just commented saying I get a mystery veg box from a local farm delivered each fortnight, which gives me, which um gets me creative. Oh, a mystery okay. veg box. Oh, do you know you can get like I'm pretty sure everything's going off, so you'd have to eat it quite fast. But you can get like a veg box at Lidl, I think, and it's like two pounds or something and it's just got i think everything that was going off in little that day but it's a mystery <laughs> that's a big ass box if it's little jesus well you know Here. they they split them into numerous boxes have you got a lorry to take it all home um right the second part of that question was this is here we go this is me being it must have been being um saying something that shouldn't. Um, also, just wanted to say that I was listening to last week's podcast and have to disagree with what Andy said about squats on the BOSU. I do pistols on the BOSU for combined strength and balance, and they are one of my favourite exercises. Pistol so squats can... on the BOSU ball? Yeah. Very impressive. Who's that? Uh, Alexandra. I think Alexandra does... Is it ice dancing? <laughs> ice are you skate? sure it's called ice dancing? <laughs> I don't know. Isn't it called like think... figure skating? Figure skating. No, there's I think like she does ice dancing. Huh? There's lots of different um, disciplines when it comes to the ice. Right. Let me thought. just have a little Google. Ice dancing. <laughs> anyway, we kept, we went through this one. And number one, it was a Swiss ball that I mentioned, which is extremely pointless. And number two, when it comes to balance, balance is actually better built on a stable surface using load. Um, so getting mm. stronger on a stable surface with more weight. Bosu balls are, however, really good for um, helping stability of the ankle. Uh, and anything Do you know what might lines, not have happened if you've been using your Bosu ball? I might not have had a dodgy knee. Um, but yes, 
So yeah, but they do create good stability points for um, things like ankles and knees, etc. Um, but yeah, if you're wanting to get, um, if your if balance is a big issue, it's generally built better under under stability. And that sounds really weird that you would build balance, which is supposed to be instability, under stability, but that's how it works. Uh, you were actually right. It is called ice dancing. It's a discipline within figure skating that histor- historically draws from ballroom dancing. It joined oh. the World Figure Skating Championships in 1952 and became uh, part of the Winter Olympics in 1976 have you seen that film about the ice skater great knowledge here uh, the one who done our done our person our opposition person in yeah um what was her name again margot tracy... robbie i was gonna say tracy emin but she's a she's an artist that art does bloody cigarettes and fag butts on her bed and stuff <laughs> um ice skater um, because she got put in jail, didn't she? Did she? I don't know. Maybe I didn't actually get to the end of the Tonya Harding. That's it. Oh yeah, because it's called I Tonya. I Tonya. Yes, she got. I think from what I gather, because I don't really know, because I think it was when I was a kid, but she apparently had one of her the one of her opponents' um, knees battered in so that they couldn't compete. Yeah, I so, think that is what happened. Yeah, 1994. Also, Margot Robbie was quite scary in it. Like, that was the only reason I watched it. And I was a bit like, oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah, it wasn't, yeah. Anyway, okay, it says, in 1991, the year I was born, talented figure skater Tonya Harding becomes the first American woman to compete the triple Axel during competition. In 1994... Her world comes crashing down when her ex-husband comprises to injure Nancy someone, a fellow Olympic hopeful, in a poorly conceived attack that forces the young woman to withdraw from the national championships. Well, there you go. Oh, it's become one of the biggest scandals in sporting history. There you go. There you go. That just shows what can happen when you're jealous. (laughs) Right, Rebecca's question. Um, oh, actually, we the apps have already the workouts have already changed. Um, Check in for commit is on Friday this week. Yeah. Um, uh, and there will be no different. There's no differentiation between the last one and this one. It will still be. We'll still get the same. We we'll get the same questions for this one. What the hell was that? Sorry, I dropped something. <laughs> You'll get the same questions. We'll just want to know what's happened between this check, this check, and the last one. So again, as much in-depth knowledge as you can give us to give us a bit more of an idea. Again, this is the one where if there potentially maybe changes needed, this is where we maybe make it because we've now had four weeks of seeing where you're at, and this is where we move on from there. So that's kind of what we look at from here inwards towards the last two weeks. Yeah, um, I think, and again, just we talk about this all the time, but the more you put into a check-in, the more you'll get back. Yeah, exactly. And I, I had one person who was a bit like, oh, you know, don't feel like I got that much in the check-in. And I went and looked at her check-in and it was one-word answers. And there's not much we can give from one-word answers. And actually the response was really quite long in comparison to the one-word answers. But if you don't give us information, if you don't 
talk to us and tell us what what you're struggling with then there's very little we can do so take some time with your check-in really sit down and reflect on your last two weeks anything you've been struggling with anything you want to talk to us about on a like on a one-to-one level as opposed to on the lives or asking questions in the group that's your opportunity to do that something that might be worthwhile is if you go back to the email that your coach is sending you out look at the headings of the questions over the next couple of days and start noting down what you're going to write the second first and the second check-ins are the same the third one's different although there will be a little bit of a crossover but the third one is slightly different but the first two have got the same questions so go in there and if over the next couple of days or tomorrow and today tomorrow before friday's check-in maybe start putting some notes down so you can expand a little bit on it as you go that's always a good idea i've got i've had a couple of people have done that in the past so that works quite nicely um last question from esme Uh, would you consider running commit one-off type workshops in person at some point perhaps in andy's gym (laughs) Uh, i think we'd need more space maybe in andy's new gym Mm. um yeah i think we would love to do meetups whether that's like workshop based whether that involves training whether that's just a nice meal whether it's an activity i think doing something like i don't know paddle boarding or something fun would be fun um but yeah, that's definitely something I think once restrictions have like totally eased and people feel a little bit more comfortable traveling and places are totally open up. Yes, yeah. we will absolutely be doing some team bonding. Yes, sounds fun. Right, is that, that the end is of the questions? All the questions. Awesome. Okay, well, we'll be back. Uh, oh no, we've got check-ins this weekend, right? So we'll have a lot check-ins of questions for next week. But yeah, yep. keep keep plowing away and andy do you want to do your outro and as always we would love a five-star rating um really just because it gets our name out and about a bit more people get to see us more people get to see us we get to impart a little bit of our knowledge and hopefully help some people so tag us share away on social media um and yeah spread the word and so have positive so spread some positivity i feel like we've spoken about that a lot in this so episode but yeah spread positivity the preachers of positivity hey <laughs>